I think that it's safe to say that we know a thing or two about doing things remotely because we have been doing all the things remotely recently. We've been working from home, socializing with others from home through video chat and telephone calls. We've been doing remote education through Google Classroom, through Seesaw, through all kinds of other avenues. We've been scanning and emailing and texting. We can do it all without showing up, we have found in these last weeks. We can order food for dinner and have it delivered, get groceries and have it delivered as well, buy clothes that we won't be able to wear in public for months, sign documents, and more. The people of the first century did not have the luxury of connecting to people in the same way. If someone was physically gone, they were gone. If you couldn't do do it in person, it didn't get done. Your DoorDash driver would not text when they were approaching your house. So you can imagine that when Jesus told his followers after they had already lost him once that he was leaving, and this time he was leaving for good, it did not go over well. They had already felt the deep grief of losing Jesus at the crucifixion, and now that they had hope that things were finally going well and that they finally had a future together, Jesus was leaving them. And they knew that once he was gone, he would be gone. That would be it. No hope. It was very disappointing. But Jesus prepared them for his departure by telling them that he would not leave them bereft or desolate or alone, not through connecting with them via FaceTime, but he said through sending the spirit of truth, the counselor, to be with them always. That. I would imagine, was no comfort at all to the disciples. It was no comfort at all because there were no answers, just a promise. There was no finite plan. There was no date and time to meet this mysterious spirit of truth. There was no contact information. There was no meet and greet, no picture or description that would help them know what they were looking at when they looked at it. Truth be told, they would never be able to see with their eyes the Holy Spirit They would never be able to touch or hug or sit next to the spirit of truth like they could to the embodied Jesus. They would never be able to see the whites of their eyes. Or would they? There's an interesting piece in this scripture. In addition to the promise of the Holy Spirit, there is another indication of God's presence that Jesus talks about. Jesus says those that keep God's commandments demonstrate God's presence. And as the mothering, fathering God is in Jesus, so then is the mothering, fathering God in you. And the you used by Jesus in this passage is the plural you, the all y'all you. So when we demonstrate our love of God by fulfilling the commandments, and remember the greatest commandment, right? The greatest commandments is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. So when we're doing this, especially together, the all y'all together, we see God, we exhibit God, we inhabit God, and God inhabits us. We get to touch God and sit next to him. Jesus said, you have seen the mothering, fathering God in me, and if I can be seen in you, then you reflect all of that God goodness. This is where our gospel collides with our first reading in the book of Acts. 
Paul spoke to the folk from Solomon's porch about the God in, um, in whom all things are given life, life and breath, the God in whom we live and move and have our being. All that is alive is because of God. Anything that moves and lives and has being is embedded in God. The all y'all, every one of us, community, loving God and loving neighbor demonstrates God's presence in the world. So maybe we can see the whites of the eyes of God after all in our siblings in Christ, in our neighbor, in our kids, in the extravagant, stupid beauty of spring, in the collective goodness of our effort to keep each other safe by social distancing, in the mirror. The disciples and all to whom Paul spoke on that day from Solomon's porch were used to thinking of the presence of God as finite, as present only in the Holy of Holies or in a particular idol or on a particular day or at a special place or in a person who held a particular role. But Jesus's life, death, and resurrection was not meant to point people to just one way of seeing God throughout history. It was meant to break once and for all the notion that God is anything other than infinite. God is not just in a particular place. God is not just in those who have the correct theology or the right pedigree or the correct rules. God is not found in the right likeness or idol. God is in all y'all. God is in anything and everything that lives and moves and has being. And the most beautiful, poignant, clear window of God is God's people joined together to love God and all of creation. I'll be honest. I think that if the disciples had a choice between this mysterious spirit of truth and God is everywhere all the time stuff and having flesh and blood Jesus stay with them, they probably would have chosen the flesh and blood version. Who can blame them? We prefer to have concrete answers too. One of the hardest parts of all of this staying at home stuff and trying to keep the virus from spreading too fast is how we can not make particular plans for the future. We know that at some point there will be phases that release restrictions, but when those things happen, do not necessarily have a date assigned to them. And if they do, the date keeps changing. Instead, they have signs attached to them, decrease in number of cases, etc. And even in, with these phases for us, the church, uh, for those of us who worship together, who, whose primary role in the community is to love, we won't be able to do so many things that we hold dear. We won't be able to sing together for perhaps more than a year. And that just breaks my heart. We won't be able to pass the peace. We won't be able to share communion safely. We won't be able to shoot the breeze over homemade cookies and coffee. Much of what we love best about coming together as a church body will be missing from our gatherings, and we don't even know for how long. It would be much easier to just know the date when it was going to end, to know where the spirit of truth would show up for sure, to know that the hardship would be over and exactly what time and what day. 
But that's not how living and moving and having our being works. It is all in action. It is all in moving forward without the answers, but just to do the next most faithful thing, trusting God, trusting that God holds our futures. It's waiting and watching and knowing that God is here and that we don't need to do anything as mundane as the concrete to tell us so. It is in the uncomfortable mystery of the in-between, in the unknown hour of now, in the whites of the eyes of the least expected, God is with us. Are you alive? Are you breathing? Can you move? God is in you. All y'all. Amen.